What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey guys, this next segment is brought to you by the Blackhawk Group. Blackhawk Group offers an unparalleled customer support service combined with top-level classroom installations and equipment servicing. They have years' worth of experience in this field, experience that is unmatched by competitors anywhere. Learn more about Blackhawk Group at www.blackhawkgroupllc.net. Hey everybody, welcome to our latest episode of the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. This is Pete, and on today's show, we're going to be discussing how despite spending somewhere between 32 and $35 million in our taxpayer dollars on the Mueller investigation, it's turned out to be a proven witch hunt, how economic experts predict that President Trump will win in a landslide in 2020, and how despite his frivolous promises to cap property tax increases to just 2% a year in New York State, all New York taxpayers can expect nothing more than... You guessed it, even higher taxes over the next calendar year. Before we get into all of that, first off, if you're new to the show, welcome. The Empire State Conservative Network podcast is for New York-based conservatives. We're sick and tired of how the state is being run. You're also sick and tired of being neglected by your local state officials as a result. And you're sick and tired of being ostracized by friends, family, and co-workers for thinking differently than they do about politics and about life in general. So we're on a mission here at Empire State Conservative Network tomorrow. Uh, We're going to have on a guest, but a little later in the week, I'm going to go over what happened yesterday at the uh, Lincoln Dinner, which was for the Weissman Republican Club, and there were some great speakers. There's Thomas Straker from uh, The Walk Away. He was the first guy to do a walk away, Um, and we had some great guests. uh, Corey Lewandowski, I think that's his name. I I keep forgetting his name. Trump's campaign advisor was there as well. We all got signed books. It was pretty cool. And uh, a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But uh, we're on a mission here. It's a, it's a grassroots movement to rile up the conservative base in New York State. We are ranked 50th out of 50, uh, according to the Cato Institute, in every state in the U.S. in regards to economic freedom. We're also in the top three year after year in terms of out-migration. That means more people leaving than coming in. Last year alone, we lost 84,000 more people than we took in. And since 2012, we've lost over 1 million more people than we've taken in. The state is going the way of the dodo, and it's because of Andrew Cuomo, who was recently elected to his third term, and now our incredibly blue legislature, which in just three months has been able to get past the DREAM Act, the Reproductive Health Act, the SAFE Act II, and the Red Flag Gun Laws, just to name a few things. Our taxes are going up at the local and state level, and it's all because of their crazy socialist agenda, which unfortunately is going to yield nothing but bad things for the state. If you're driven around anywhere in the state, we had some harsh weather over the past month or so, and I can't even begin to tell you. I drive a lot for my work, and I can't begin to tell you how many new potholes and issues there are and how none of them have been addressed and how even the old ones have been inadequately filled in, making room for even worse potholes after salt is put down and the plows come out. So we got a lot of issues in the state, infrastructure being one of them, obviously incredibly high taxation. We have the highest tax burden in the U.S. year after year, both at the state and the local levels. In fact, Nassau and Suffolk counties here on Long Island have the highest tax burden in the entire country. So we're we're in a bit of a bind here, and uh, it's not going to change unless we rile up the base and we get out and vote these schmucks out of the state Senate and eventually vote Cuomo out in 2022 because somehow, despite all of his confidants going down like flies, 
being uh, arrested on corruption charges, things of that nature, and investigated, he seems to keep getting off scot-free, even though he's a main perpetrator, though de Blasio will luckily term out in the very near future. But unfortunately, his wife is probably going to inherit his position because all the morons in the city tend to vote for him. So we have to get out and we need to vote these people out so we can take back the state. Otherwise, it's not going to be attractive for people with higher incomes to come in and create businesses, create jobs, or to help our, our neighborhoods. And anyone who's middle to upper class is going to get out because they can go down to North Carolina or Florida or Texas and they're going to be taxed at a heck of a lot less. The problem with that, though, is that for every one of them, there's going to be a liberal family or a liberal person going to those same areas and they're going to bring their voting records with them. They're not really going to understand why their taxes and why their regulations are going to go up and up and up year after year because they're voting out conservatives and they're voting in liberals. But unless we, if we can take back this state, that is a statement. That means that the, that the founding principles of this country are going to be recognized and that if we can take back the state, states like California, Oregon, they can take back those states too, and eventually we can take back the country as a whole and hopefully wake up a lot of middle-of-the-road Democrats who probably aren't aware of the crazy socialist policies being instilled by a lot of the Democratic presidential candidates. So, long story short, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. Hope you like the show. Now then, let's get on to our first order of business. So, of course, as we projected, the Mueller report found that there was absolutely no collusion uh, now, there's a lot of flack about Mueller reporting that he can't completely exonerate the president. And I, I listened to the Ben Shapiro show earlier today, and he's an attorney, and he understands these things a little bit more. But apparently, according to this type of precedent, they can't completely exonerate him. Mueller is a prosecutor. He spent two years really trying to dig up dirt. And obviously, plenty of people have gone to jail, some of them deservingly so, uh, a la Michael Cohen. Others, not so much. But... Long story short, this is a witch hunt, and 50% of Americans believed it was a witch hunt after this past week, according to a poll conducted by Suffolk University in Boston. So even the crazy leftists who believe that this is a thing, that he's really an agent for the Russian government, he's playing three-dimensional chess one second, and then he's a buffoon the next. I mean, you can't have it both ways, guys. You gotta pick a side. And... It, it is a witch hunt. It was proven to be a witch hunt. And now, instead of apologizing, which most of the mainstream media should do, because, I, I mean, you got to look at these clips, and, and I forget the name of the website. There's a website that actually puts all these clips together about specific news topics on the mainstream news networks, and they all say the same things, and they tried to get us last year when there was something positive being said about the president, when in actuality... Pretty much on a weekly basis, when you talk about Russia, when you talk about the Stormy Daniels situation, the Me Too situation, when Justice Kavanaugh was going through the confirmation process, uh, it, it's all over the place. They have the same talking points, too. So it's not just mainstream conservative media that has that, even though I feel that, that conservatives do have more open-ended media outside of Fox News, which unfortunately is going more of a moderate direction, probably going to go more in a leftist direction now that Ted Turner has sold it to Disney. But anyway, getting back, so uh, it was funny, multiple anchors Friday night when this was first reported were on the verge of tears. Rachel Maddow particularly, she had to hold back tears not once but twice during her segment to discuss this, and they will not apologize. They simply won't. Brian Stelter also saying that, yes, when you have to pick between uh, objective journalism and speculation, you have to go with objective journalism, but there's something good about speculation. There's nothing good about speculation without fact. This whole thing 
had was not based in fact. This was all started again by Hillary Clinton buying Oppo research from a Russian intelligence firm that made up a dossier. And that started this whole probe prior to President Trump being elected. So this was a huge witch hunt. You can question the guy's character till the cows come home. That's nothing new. You can question his business ethics and practices all day until the cows come home. None of those things matter because everyone's known about that for decades. It's nothing new. And there's nothing you can say because since he's taken office, he's done a pretty good job. There have been some things that I'm not a fan of personally. I'd say of the three of, the, of his founders, I'm probably the least much bit of a Trump fan, but the more he's been in office, the more I like what he does. And after this, if you think for one second that the Democrats, already as it was prior to the Mueller report being released, the Democratic presidential candidates are a joke. Biden hasn't announced yet. He is their best shot. You know, there was a CNN, of all things, report uh, based off of a poll that suggested that they are not that there are people, moderate Democrats all over the country, that voted for Obama not once but twice, then flipped for Trump. They are not happy with the direction of the Democratic Party. Many people who are registered Democrats, who consider themselves moderate, but have been registered Democrats for decades, actually switched to go to the Republican Party so they could vote in the primaries and then subsequently vote for Trump and then engage in their local and state politics in that regard as well. Plenty of people all over the country in the flyover states and places like that have done that. And guess what? They are not happy with the way the Democratic Party is going in. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has lost more than double her favorability um, ratings since she first took office. Because again, and we point this out all the time, a lot of conservative media does, it's gaff after gaff after gaff after gaff after gaff. And it's clear that she's being coached. And when she's going off the cuff, she makes a fool of herself. And even when she's going on the cuff and she has paper in front of her, like at the hearing with the Wells Fargo, I believe, CEO, who completely schooled her, saying, don't you think that you guys should be responsible because of a pipeline that released gas? First of all, the pipeline hadn't even been built yet. And second of all, even if everything she said was factually accurate, just because they put money towards a pipeline or towards any business, they're not responsible for what is done with that money. They're not responsible for the shady business practices, if any, that that business um, incurs or any issues that that business provides to the public. Uh, It's just absolutely nuts. People aren't happy with her. And again, through polls, the most popular candidate and the only one with any shot is Joe Biden. And until he announces he's running, the rest of them are absolute jokes. Bernie Sanders is not going to get the Democratic nomination this time. He should have last time. He is not going to get it this time. He is too far to the left for most Democrats. Because most Democrats are sane. They're just not knowledgeable about the facts. But most of them have brains. When you explain calmly, without emotion, the facts of every scenario... More often than not, they'll agree. And a study last year showed that 70-70% of Americans agree on most issues. When you take out Republican or Democrat or any of those buzzwords associated with the two major political parties, and you're just going to, okay, here are the facts on immigration. Here are the facts on climate change. Here are the facts on this. Here are the facts on that. We agree 70% of the time. The vast majority of Americans. There's 15% really far right, alt-right, I guess you could say, and there's 
15% who are like the AOCs, who really want socialism and crazy things like that. But the vast majority of Americans are more towards the middle. No, nope, not too many people are crazy far right, not too many people are crazy far left. And we can come to compromise and we can agree on most things. The problem is the mainstream media, through things like the Mueller report, through witch hunts like this, and every time the president tweets something stupid, every time something happens that's not great, they go down his throat. And every time he does something good, they still try to spin it in a negative way. They try to spin the, the economy being in the best shape that it's been in decades. They try to spin unemployment being at the lowest rate ever in the history of this country. They will try to spin everything in a negative fashion, even when there's nothing negative to be said. That's what we're up against. And they're going to continue investigations. The media refuses to apologize. And in fact, they're essentially doubling down and saying, you know what, he must have bribed Bill Barr and Bob Mueller. And that's why there was no collusion found and why nothing bad was found. If you look at the number of people that, were, that, that had to testify, that had to speak under oath to these various committees associated with the Mueller report, I think there was 2,800 people total that were questioned. I mean, this is nuts. And they're saying that not enough of a thorough job was done. We wasted $35 million of our federal taxpayer dollars on this crap. It was clear from the beginning that this was just Hillary Clinton and the Democrats' ploy to try and spin things to try and take the election away from Trump because none of them took him seriously. You heard what Obama said a week or so before the election, saying there's no way he's ever going to be president. He didn't even think he was going to be president. But through the Electoral College, he was. Yes, she won the popular vote. But that's we don't go by that. The Electoral College was created for a reason. It's not... You know, we're not a democracy, and I hate this. I've seen this so many times, even since the Mueller report. All these pundits on both sides saying, this threatens our democracy, or this is good for our democracy. We are not a democracy. None of our elections at the local or state, at the local and state levels, in most cases, yes, they are democratic. But those people are then supposed to go to Congress as our representatives, whether they're in the House of Representatives or they are our senator representing our state in uh, Congress. And they're supposed to try and legislate on what's best, not just for the American people, but more specifically for their locales, for their home state. That is what they're supposed to be there for. And unfortunately, over the last 50, 60 years, the president's become more of a monarch, essentially, more executive orders, declaring national emergencies. I'm not just talking about Trump. Obama did it nine times during his presidency and some various times, you know, otherwise. And they don't want to legislate. All they want to do is talk smack about each other, try and try and grandstand. But when push comes to shove, hardly anything gets done. When a major partisan, bipartisan bill is pushed across, that's like Christmas. It's crazy. But anyway, so it was left an open-ended conclusion, but Mueller couldn't fully exonerated him, but he said through this two years and all, and they listed out all the numbers, 2,800 people testifying and all these other things, we could not find any proof of Russian collusion between the president and these things. And yes, there are people going to jail, some of them deservingly so, like Michael Cohen, others probably not so much, like Michael Flynn. But that being said, uh, it's over. And they're doubling down, and they refuse because they want him out. And any chance they had is screwed. And on top of that, too, economists predict that unless there's a giant uh, disaster, that 
he's going to win. So this is according to the Daily Wire in an article by Hank Berrien. So according to some financial experts, President Trump should easily win the 2020 election. This came out before the Mueller report um, findings, by the way, because of one factor, the strength of the economy. The experts quoted by Politico, a left-leaning news source, said that if history is a reliable guide, the fact that the economy has flourished during Trump's tenure should be the overriding element in voters' decision as to whom to vote for in 2020. Also, the embarrassment of the Mueller report investigation. The economy is sailing along on rising wages and low gas prices, as well as low unemployment. Donald Luskin, chief investment officer of Trend Macrolytics, which predicted Trump's 2016 victory, opined, quote, The economy is just so damn strong right now, by all historic precedent, the incumbent should run away with it. He was sanguine about any problems with the economy that might arise between now and November 2020, adding, quote, It would have to slow down a lot to still not be pretty good. Luskin was echoed by Yale economist Ray Fair, whose economic model also predicted Trump's 2016 victory. He stated, quote, even if you have a mediocre but not great economy, and that's more or less consensus for between now and the election, that has a Trump victory, and not by a not-trivial margin. He said that in the current economy, Trump would get 54% of the vote. So could you imagine how butthurt, I'm going to continue reading in a second, but can you imagine how butthurt the Democrats will be if not only does Trump get re-elected, but this time, it's not just through the Electoral College, but the popular vote, which they so desperately want because they want to do away with the Electoral College, right? Because how many elections since 2000? They lost in 2000, right? Uh, Al Gore got the popular vote, but G George W. got the electoral votes needed to become president. And now, last election with Hillary Clinton, she won the coasts and all the really blue states, and Trump won the rest of the country. Therefore, with the Electoral College, he wins. So how butthurt would they be? If not only did he win the Electoral College, but he got the popular vote, I cannot wait to see it. And I hope if these guys predicted it accurately, if 54%, even if it gets 51%, and, and, and he wins the popular vote over whoever his challenger is, my God, that's going to be sweet. Anyway, getting back to the article, a third expert, Mark Zandi, chief economist and Moody's Analytics, who is not a fan of Trump, has used 12 different economic models to try to ascertain who would win in 2020. He said Trump won in all 12, winning most of them easily. He asserted, quote, if the election were held today, Trump would win according to the models and pretty handily. In three or four of them, it would be pretty close. He's got low gas prices, low unemployment, and a lot of other political variables at his back. The only exception is his popularity, which matters a lot. If that falls off a cliff, it would make a big difference. What might help Trump even more is the Fed's acknowledgement that it will eschew raising interest rates, which the Fed announced on Wednesday. President Trump has been critical of the Fed for some time for raising interest rates consistently during his tenure and thus impeding economic growth. We should do away with the Fed, but that's a whole other story and a can of worms we won't get into today. He said last October after the Fed raised interest rates again, quote, I think the Fed is making a mistake. They are so tight. I think the Fed has gone crazy. Yeah, the fact that it exists is crazy, but I digress. Fox News reported on Thursday, quote, on Wednesday during his second monetary policy meeting of the year, the Fed voted to hold the benchmark mutual funds rate steady. The Federal Open Committee unanimously agreed to keep interest rates unchanged at a target range of 2.25% to 2.5%. The policy setting board also signaled it won't see any future rate hikes this year. On Thursday, Trump took aim at the Fed. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, long story short, I mean, unless there is a giant, giant recession and or depression, the economy is going to have to really, really tank between now and November of 2020 to hinder Trump's chances. And that seems to be one of the main things that people care about because people want to remain employed. 
They don't want to be looking over their shoulder, wondering if they're going to get a playing slip because the economy is suffering, therefore business is suffering for where they work, and therefore the employer has to decide whether or not they're an essential or non-essential employee. That's really tough, especially at the salary and the rate that they're being compensated at. That goes without saying. But for the most part, again, he's done such a good job. He's, he's governed way more conservatively, conservatively excuse me, than just about anybody thought. Even if you were on the Trump train from the beginning... He has far exceeded expectations, in my opinion. The only thing, the only promise he hasn't really delivered on is the wall, which obviously we've seen the gridlock. The government shut down. They refused to give him the money that he wants, which is why he declared the national emergency, whether that's constitutional or not. Blah, 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 blah. I don't really want to get into that again. But everything but that has gone well. And the only reason that hasn't happened, the border wall, again, is because of the obstructions in his way. It's not because he hasn't tried, it's not for lack of trying. So, I don't see how they have anything on him. And again, with this voter sentiment not liking the sh- radical shift towards the left, with these people like AOC, Talib, and Omar being the f- quote-unquote future darlings of the Democratic Party, that's scary that, that, that they're even being touted that. Because they're very ignorant And they're also completely against what we stand for as Americans. And they're against many of our allies, like Israel, for example. They can't be tolerated. And people aren't going to tolerate it. And if Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, all these other people who are running for the Democratic presidential nomination, are going to continue to spout the same rhetoric that they are, guess what? They're going nowhere. And if Joe Biden... Uh, comes into play i don't think i think he's too old regardless i I don't think he's going to be able he's the only one who can go possibly go toe-to-toe with trump if they're just exchanging quips on stage at a debate but i I don't i think trump's got too much on him because we know what we got in trump biden's going to try to hide behind a lot of his issues but unfortunately he's a gaff machine too he's just been in the game way longer than aoc and some of these other people and uh, there's some shady sh- stuff on him with children, which we won't get into today. So anyway, all in all, this is good stuff. This next segment is brought to you by Items for All Occasions. Items for All Occasions specializes in helping you sync up with what you need for your event's promotional needs. Whether it's announcements, cards, giveaways, invitations, tchotchkes, or video books, they have you covered. Learn more about Items for All Occasions at www.itemsforallocasions.com. So let's get into the second thing here, which is how despite frivolous promises to cap property tax raises in New York State at just 2% per year, all New York taxpayers can expect over the next calendar year, you guessed it, even higher taxes. So let's get into this. So this is a New York Post article written by their editorial board. I'm going to read and then we'll discuss. So it seems the only short thing about this year's state budget is that it will sock taxpayers yet again. Yes, it will. Even as state leaders flush yet new billions down the drain. Facing slim odds, lawmakers would legalize marijuana by the March 31st budget deadline. Governor Andrew Cuomo on Tuesday pulled his pot sales tax from his spending plan. To replace it, he's backing a Pieta Terra surcharge on city condos and co-ops over $5 million. Of course, right? if, if you're not going to get taxed from marijuana, which, uh, which again, you know, Long Island, especially, you know, Nassau and Suffolk County, where Evan and I live, They're really adamantly against it, which I don't really understand because it could be an extra revenue stream. But now they're going to go after people who own expensive condos in the city. Uh, Anyway, 
Experts say it's risky to rely on revenue from peer-to-tear tax, which anyway should go to the city, not the state. But lawmakers figure it will mostly hit wealthy out-of-towners so they'll be spared voters' wrath. Politics trumps common sense. Of course. And taxers will likely get hit twice. After all, if marijuana is okay later, as Cuomo expects, it's sure to be taxed. Of course. Look at what's happening in Colorado. Think lawmakers will then repeal the peer-to-tear tax? Ha! Cuomo also wants a new congestion tax, tolls on drivers below 61st Street in Manhattan. And an internet sales tax. Oh, that's another thing that I forgot to mention a couple weeks back when I first heard about that. And another five years of the millionaire's tax. Here's the scariest part. With more than a week left before the deadline, who knows what other new taxes they'll tack on. Yet even with all the cash pouring in, Albany faces a budget squeeze. Cuomo warns that the Senate wants to shell out three billion dollars beyond what he's budgeted to help cover that spending he suggested scrapping 420 million dollars a year in handouts to film moguls the senate is against tax credits right that was their position on amazon cuomo chided he said and i quote i wouldn't be surprised if they proposed cutting the film tax credit sadly it was mainly just zinged zinging amazon foe senator michael Giannaris. still cuomo claimed he'd axe the hollywood credits himself rather than cut education or health care why not both? The giveaways for film folks do absolutely nothing to create permanent jobs in New York. And the state also wastes a fortune on health care in schools, on which it shells out twice the U.S. per average student. And as we talked about last week or two weeks ago, not to, not in very good regard. Alas, with Democrats not fully in charge, Albany's tax and spend habits are only getting worse. Brace for impact. We knew this. You know, we were complacent at the midterms last year. And not only did Cuomo get reelected, to, as the governor, to his third term. But the legislature, which is usually red, was blue. No checks on Andrew Cuomo. There weren't really too many to begin with. A lot of the people who lost their seats were voted out, not just because there was a Democratic challenger, but because they were so uninspiring that they did so little for their districts and for where they represented that they almost didn't deserve to get reelected. But unfortunately, you went from someone who does nothing to the Democrats, and especially the Democrats in states like New York, Illinois, California, they actually, they're transparent about who they are. They are socialists for the most part. They want to push across big government programs. And again, I talked about this at the top of the show, the DREAM Act, the Reproductive Health Act, the SAFE Act 2, red flag gun laws, just to name a few. And we have them till November of 2020, at the very least. Because, again, if we don't rile up the conservative base, if we don't get out there and vote these schmucks out of office, we don't get involved in our local and state politics, then we are going under. And your only hope of ever having some type of economic freedom again is if you're able to afford to leave the state, which, again, that's not going to be a permanent solution because for every one of you, there's going to be a liberal that's going to follow you and follow you with their voting record to wherever you go. That's how it works, unfortunately. So you're going to get a temporary reprieve, and it's going to be saddled. If we can take back the state, it is a giant statement. That is the mission behind Empire State Conservative Network. If we can take back this state, if we can take back the Senate, if we can get a conservative elected as governor, if we can fix things, cut regulations, cut taxes at the local and state levels, make, this play, make New York a, a beacon again, which it hasn't been in decades, because of this increasingly blue legislation, higher and higher and higher taxes for a crappier and crappier service by the government. Remember, we are paying these people. Their salaries, their money comes from us. We are paying into crap. And there's a reason that our founding fathers 
wanted a limited government at the federal level and also at the local and state levels. They want a limited government because outside of property and defense and a very select number of things, the people, us, should be responsible for our own lives. The free market should be able to provide affordable, high-quality solutions that will far exceed the pricey and underperforming solutions that the government provides. I have a client, I think I mentioned this a couple of times, who was in Iraq. He was paralyzed from the waist down. His, long story short, his Humvee hit a IED and it flipped over, crushed his spine. He is paralyzed from the waist down. And he deals with crap from the VA all the time. You know, just this past week, there are certain medications that he needs in order to be able to function. And he was there, actually, because he had recently suffered a broken limb. And he was there recently, and they gave him the, okay, everything's healed, blah, blah, blah. You can continue functioning as normal. Just watch the inflammation. And while he was there, he said, you know what? I need refills of these prescriptions. Like, okay, we have it. We'll send it to you. And they didn't send it to him. He got it over a week later, and it was affecting his well-being because those medications were things that he needed in order to function. That's the VA, and that's treating the people who deserve free health care the most. That the only form of taxpayer health care that I'm okay with is to support military veterans like himself who literally risk their lives and nearly lost his life and saw unspeakable things, who's suffering in ways that you and I probably can't possibly fathom. And they can't even get him a couple of medications that he needs in a timely manner. He gave them a week's notice, by the way, that I'm going to run out of this in a week. I need it. And he didn't get it until a week after he ran out. And they said, you should have it before you even run out. That's the VA. And that's supposed to be something that is run better than a lot of local, state, and federal government programs. And it's not. The government cannot do anything well. And the only way that we're going to get our freedom back, the only way we're going to get our hard-earned money back in the form of paying tax to crap is to vote these schmucks out, to find you good candidates, and to get them into office. That's why we're here at Empire Circuit Server Network. That is their, our mission. So please, if you like this episode, please share it with a fellow Empire State Conservative, or even a liberal who, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, is not happy with the crazy far-left push the Democratic Party is leaning towards because it's not popular among the, the American populace. Even with New Yorkers here, who are probably further to the left than most Democrats in this country. They don't like it. So maybe we can show them the light. And we welcome everybody with open arms. Contrary to popular opinion on their side, conservatives accept people of all races, religions, uh, whatever. We don't really care. We're all based on merit. If you're a good, hardworking person, you're accepted here. We accept everybody, unlike the Democrats, where if you don't meet their intersectional checkboxes or enough of them, your opinion, your stance, your voice is not valid to them unless you check off two or more of those things. So that's your choice. That's why we're here. And again, we're trying to rile up the conservatives in New York State so we can vote these schmucks out and get ours in. So if you can, please share this, again, with an FRC conservative or a liberal who is not happy with how things are going. Secondarily, if you can afford just $5 a month, you'll get this, the Empire State Conservative Network uh, bracelet. It says, don't let fear take your freedom, an Empire State Conservative Network with a state somewhere. Yeah, it's there, uh, if you're watching. Also, you get mailbag access. So tomorrow, we're going to have on John Speed, who's a bookstore owner in Syracuse, New York, who made headlines when the Reproductive Health Act passed because he closed his store for a full day in, in uh, protest. And he's been, he was on the Glenn Beck program, and he was adamant 
about the evil that the bill was, which it was, and it is, and that is now state law. Um, and we have a lot of guests coming on. Again, uh, Justin and Evan were able to go to the Lincoln Dinner. Unfortunately, I was not able to attend. But they met you know, and, uh, Brandon Straker, who was the guy who created the walk-away movement from the Democratic Party coming over to the conservative side of things. Uh, we got Corey Lewandowski, who was Trump's campaign manager, and a whole bunch of other people who are on the docket, who want to and will be coming on this program in the very near future. So just $5 a month, you will have access to them. You'll be able to ask questions. We'll send out an email to our donors the night before. Hey, this is who we're having on. We'll give you a quick buyer if you're not sure who they are. And you can ask them direct questions. And you will dictate what we ask and what we talk about. Because you help us, we help you. If you can afford $50 for the year, not only will you get the wristband, not only do you get mailbag access, you'll also get a free Empire State Conservative Network hoodie with our logo on the front. You'll have your own name and number on the back. So it's a small to 5XL, so no matter how big or small you are, there's one for you. And again, it's just a way of saying thanks. We have paid to reach you. We're paying for advertising. It's not cheap. We're just trying to recoup costs. So any donation you can make, whether it's a one-time, a $5 a month, or 50 for the year, really goes a long way towards helping us recoup our costs. And you can... Donate by just going to EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com forward slash donate. That link is in the bio in case you're not able to get to it right now. But guys, thanks so much for listening or watching. This is Pete. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. And again, Evan and I will be coming back at you tomorrow with John Speed from Syracuse, New York. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. It's Evan from Empire State Conservative Network. Please check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY, and on Twitter at Empire State Cons. Also, check out our store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com store for all current and future merchandise to help melt the snowflakes in your life. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.